0: G'day and welcome. Welcome to today's health and wellness talk show. I'm Dr. Daniela Stein and with me today, I'm so excited to have Gerda with me. So Gerda is known in our community, Oakville, Burlington, and the whole Halton, as the physiotherapist. She's a pelvic health physiotherapist with a special interest in menopause. Yes, that is correct. And we've done a podcast last year and We've had that's one of our most popular podcasts and everyone has just been sending in questions, questions about menopause, everything about menopause. So I'll ask it and thank you so much for joining me today. And we're gonna chat specifically about menopause. We'll answer all the questions that you've sent me regarding menopause. And we have so much content to cover today. We're actually going to do this in two parts. We will start off with just chatting about menopause. What is menopause? And we found that we, we get so much education through high school about puberty. Everyone knows yes, what is puberty. Yes, exactly. Guys knows what's puberty. Teaches, teachers teach puberty. Even if your child does opt out of sex ed at school, you as a parent inform your child about puberty, what to expect, what's happening in your body. We don't have that education with menopause. And a lot of my patients, in my specific culture, we talk about menopause. But a lot of cultures of patients that I treat, they don't talk about menopause. Yeah. They don't have a mum or an auntie or a best friend to chat about menopause. And I would really like to encourage all of you to surround yourself with amazing women going through the same phase of life as you. I think that's critical to have that community that you can talk to. But if you need a medical opinion, medical expert, that's why we're here, to really chat about that. And and we're going to start off in this first half to really just to... To go through the basics first, and then we'll go into more details, and then we'll go into things that what can you do to enjoy menopause more, to go through it smoother, to to live your optimal life through menopause, to thrive through menopause. Yes. Yes. So let's start. Get up. Tell me a little bit. Just give our um, audio listeners, viewers a little bit of a background. Where did you study? What do you do?
1: Great, yes, so I am a pelvic health physiotherapist. I graduated in South Africa um, and was in a sports clinic for about a decade. And really uh, dealing with elite athletes, I was really struck by the fact that ideally, we wanted women to act as small men. When things around menstruation were mentioned, when PMS symptoms were mentioned, um, when performance maybe dropped off uh, when you were menstruating, there was this awkward like, oh, can we just please skip over this? Let's just put you on birth control and then we we can have a set number of days that we can train with you and then we'll just
0: ignore you for a week and then we'll you can pop back onto the scene and um and that's true i've seen that just as an athlete myself that is true when people don't understand it it's just easier not to deal with it it's just let's not go there and that is true and even in,
1: in research studies there is not a lot of information on menopause and on on female hormones because how do you get the population size uh going and how do you mitigate for the factors of them menstruating at different times anyway so side tangent so that was me for 10 years and then i got into women's health physiotherapy um, out of this sort of niche that i i found was missing uh, we moved to the uk i had my second son they were both c-sections and again a third of children are born via C sections. Those those are global stats now, especially in in Western countries. And yet, I had absolutely no rehab after two C sections. and And I enjoy running. I'm an athlete, and so I. And don't... you're going to run a marathon
0: now? That's yes, I am. Years. And
1: uh, I had this. I've had these two incisions into into my abdomen. And so again, I wanted to dive deeper into that. We moved to Canada, and then. Um, I heard about prolapse and pessaries, mm. because I started working in a perinatal, perinatal health clinic, and so some more of these complications and, and side effects and symptoms and just of being a woman, mm. I will say, just became a bit more highlighted to me, and now I am in my early 40s. And the next big thing is menopause, and like Daniela mentioned before, it's it's underspoken about, it has a lot of myths around it, and it has very negative connotations mm. and i'm very aware that with the lifespan that women are going to be achieving that we are going to live arguably half of our life post-menopausally
0: which is very really interesting so for the book that i'm writing i really researched this and there is only four other animals that go through menopause other the an- whale yes the oh, I whale the other ones. Yes, I just remember the whale,
1: and I was like, and when and what I liked about that one specifically, that animal is she's she becomes the matriarch then. Yes. She yes. leads the pod. And this um, speaks to so much of the ancient cultures and how they viewed older women as being sources of wisdom, of strength. Um, they were able to meet the needs of the community because they were no, no longer, you know, fixated on their own family and, and raising their own children. They had the capacity to to be this voice and the spokesperson for their whole and the tribe, and and the wisdom.
0: wisdom. And if I look at this for me, this is the best part of my yes, life because I don't have that anxiety of so the twenties and thirties anymore. Figuring out what life, next being step. anxious about your kid, how are you going to keep your kid alive? You know, that, that's done now, and you have all this wisdom that you can share. Yes, so it's yes, such. Yes. You're at the prime in your career, you're most likely in a leadership position at work, you know, so this is really your prime, prime, but how do you thrive through that? Exactly. That's what we're we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yes. The next thing is menopause. When do we see menopause? Because that's what often happens to me is in my clinic, people will come to me and they'll say, I have these symptoms, A, B, C. And I'll ask, could you be menopausal, perimenopausal? And they will say, oh, no, 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 I'm too young for that. Then. Six months later, the same woman will come with symptoms D and E. And I'll say, could it be that it's menopausal? And she'll say, no, 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 I'm too young for menopause. And then only once, two years later, when she, her period stopped, then when we look trace back and we say, why did you go through these past four years? Yes, it was definitely perimenopausal. It explains why you had it. If we really put our menopause glasses on, we would have managed things Easier, you would have had more empathy with your own body. Yes, you won't see your body as as betraying you by acting different. It's literally because your hormones are different that your body acts different. So, what age do we care okay. about? So, the mean age, and this is quite interesting, and that is a mean
1: age across all races and ethnicities, is that the mean age is around age fifty-one. Okay, with with leeway on either side being forty-five to age fifty-five. And so we consider a decade before that as possibly being perimenopause. So early 40s is when women need to start being on the lookout for changes in their cycle, um, just alterations in mood, maybe in PMS symptoms, um, We'll get we'll get
0: into a lot of the symptoms, but yes, up to a
1: decade before.
0: And a cycle being more irregular, a change in, in your cycle. If you mm-hmm. had a specific cycle, you might notice changes. If you do notice changes,
1: exactly like in that. length, in in volume, in heaviness, um, in irregularity. That's a, a big thing. Cycles being shorter, longer, just different.
0: Yeah. And then, and this now, if you're going through a natural menopause, then. Induced menopause or primary ovarian failure. Can you chat about a little bit? Mm -hmm. So induced menopause is a a
1: more radical form of menopause. It's like you said, uh, ovarian failure, but it's it is often also brought on by surgical removal of the ovaries, and by chemo or radiation therapy due to cancers, or by medications that we need to um, use or take to address other disease processes and then that literally puts you in menopause overnight so you will still have the symptoms of menopause women often report that they come on a lot more quickly and um to, to almost to a greater degree but they are a bit shorter lived than through natural menopause and they can be very
0: heavy so i've seen with some of our yep. patients they would say they're going through packs they can't I have patients who literally would maybe run their own business and they have to close their business because they're having such heavy periods that they can't function, they can't go to work, the way they're losing. Then other reasons which I would see in the hospital and in my clinic where people would go through menopause quicker would be after a significant shock to your body. Say you go through something very traumatic, you lose a loved one, or you have major surgery, even if the surgery wasn't take your ovaries out, but a different type of shock to your body, Losing a lot of blood and um, cancer and chemotherapy is a big mm. one where we see people going through menopause yeah. early. So maybe you were in that perimenopausal phase, but then after you've gone through that operation or that stressful situation in your life, then your just gone. Yeah, so it's accelerated, just, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it's a protective function. So... Arguably, they are suggesting that women actually use their cycle as a vital sign. Mm-hmm. So not just blood pressure and heart rate and all of those issues that we need to measure as women, but also being very aware of what your cycle is doing. It gives us a lot of insight into your, into your health because when your, men- your men's stop, that's a big alarm sign that your body's trying to convey that something is off. So, young yeah, athletes. See athletes as
0: well, yes. And yeah. th- that's a whole topic on its own. So, we won't go into that, but we typically see it in our long distance runners mm-hmm. where their period just stops. And it's, it's a very big alarm sign, because it, it's not just about not having your period, it's also your bone density, your heart health, everything exactly. that you're going to have to deal with 30, 40 years from now that your body is now telling you some things off yeah so that's a big thing so tell me a little bit more about menopause The detail the stages it occurs in okay so we have perimenopause then that's that
1: decade run up um it gets accelerated in the two years before you actually stop uh, menstruating and literally menopause all this hoo-ha is about one day it's literally the anniversary of 12 months without your period that's it It signals the end of your fertility so it's the permanent end of fertility and then once you have had that anniversary that birthday of 12
0: months of no periods you are postmenopausal and that's pretty much it so that menopause day is really something you see in hindsight yep so if someone asked me oh please test my hormones am i perimenopausal am i postmenopausal for us that diagnosis is the last day you had your periods and we say 12 months later and that is something critical to know because what you said is that was the end of your fertility. You can still fall pregnant when you're perimenopausal. Yes. And that's... So yes. for some people, that can be quite devastating. For some women, it's awesome. If you're going through a fertility journey, fertility treatment, you, you can still fall pregnant. That's great. But then... I have so many moms who didn't expect this. You know, they thought they were done. They have teenagers that they did not. So the fact that you didn't have a period for six months does not mean you're not pregnant. Yes, (laughs) no. So you can be then
1: perimenopausal and postpartum, and that's a beautiful mix of hormones, for sure. (laughs) So ladies, contraception. I'm going to come on here and just say We'll do another talk about contraception. Have condoms around, please. Yes. I mean, if you want to fall pregnant, amazing. But I get a lot of this coming into my clinic.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Okay. You are still definitely fertile. So those are the three stages. And then throughout this period, so, so something we have to say from the get-go, every woman experiences this differently. So in some of the things we tell you, you can say, oh, this is me, this is me, but it's going to be different for everyone. Yep. So the same as that birth history is different for everyone. You'll have some moms, every mom wants a natural birth with a doula at home. But like you said a third had to have Mm c-sections and then the same thing happened with menopause you'll have those friends that says oh i'm just sipping on my green tea and i'm getting doing my pelvic fissure and i'm getting through it but there are women who has a, a very very hard time and they need more help so first of all for everyone the journey is different and then secondly so it's not that you're failing if you need help if you need management it's just that your journey is different your hormones are different you need different help yeah Then the stages that we spoke about, for some women, it's shorter. Some women really sail through it, and some women have seas when they go through it. So the length is different, the symptoms are different, every person is different. And it's because our hormonal fluctuations are different. So tell me about the hormonal fluctuations. Mm. Okay. So we have, first of
1: all, estrogen gets all the attention, okay? And we have, we actually secrete three types of estrogen. We, um... They have very cool names, but for E's, I'm just going to call them E1, E2, and E3. Oh, that's smart. And E2 is estradiol, and E2 is the one that we secrete from our ovaries. That's the magic potion, okay? E3 is the one that we secrete while we are pregnant. It's a weaker form of of E2. And then E1, called estrone, is the one that we secrete postmenopausally. So we actually do secrete a form of estrogen when we are postmenopausal right now e2 works together with progesterone and e2 we commonly speak of it as a fertilizer hormone it makes things grow it keeps our lips juicy and plump it keeps our vagina happy it's prolific. It lines our uterine um, lining. And then progesterone is almost like the lawnmower hormone. It calms things down. Okay. I like the way
0: you put it. That's what <laughs> yes, it that's exactly. Does. That's what that's it does. exactly. Goes, that's right? Exactly. Okay, so we have
1: a fertilizer and we have a lawn lawnmower hormone. The thing with estrogen is that we typically associate it with our boobs and with our vulvas and vaginas because those are sort of the classic female sex organs but every cell in our body has an estrogen receptor and estrogen is responsible for muscle metabolism it's responsible for um stimulating growth hormone it manages our blood sugar levels it's part of our thermoregulation system it has so many functions and that is why symptoms can vary so massively from woman to woman and even month to month okay because in the perimenopausal stage we are getting these fluctuations and so we might get relatively speaking progesterone that's sitting really low and even though estrogen is coming down it is still relatively higher than progesterone and that's when women get these heavy heavy periods. So they are just building, lining, building, lining, fertilizing, and there's no progesterone to come and mow things down. And so you feel like, you know, you're committing a genocide in your bathroom every six weeks or whatever it is. So it has this multifaceted implication for your body function and systems. And that is why I think hormone tracking, I mean, symptom tracking can be so tricky because what are we talking about yes. is it oh and mood mood disorders big thing that's actually more in the camp of progesterone progesterone is seen as a um, I think they call it a brain steroid it's very calming to the brain and when progesterone is running low as it does you get fuzziness the brain fog hmm. the memory loss which is transient; it
0: stops memory function. And then also migraines and headaches. So that's exactly. how I manage migraines and headaches by adding that progesterone. Exactly. Second kind of cycle.
1: Especially if you've had it during your
0: fertile years, yes. PMS symptoms with headaches, then progesterone is really helpful. Something that you can anticipate. Yep. Yeah. And that is while you were talking about now, I thought we should acknowledge that not. I know some of our listeners are transgender, binary, not identifying. And, and I really try to be respectful and inclusive in that way. But we're specifically talking more, whichever gender you identify with, we're more talking about the uterus yes. and its function of the yes. uterus itself. Yes. That being said, interesting, men have estrogen as well. And we have testosterone. We actually have more testosterone than estrogen. So we, and so it's normal for all of us to have estrogen, to have testosterone. And we talk about estrogen because we have more estrogen than phenotypically male people yes. and that's what give yep. us boobs and uteruses and enable us to have babies however we still have more testosterone yeah while we're talking about estrogen should we talk why we need estrogen so just on this topic estrogen we need it for bone strength i'm a hospitalist doctor who see people in hospital who had well for everything one of the big things we see would be people when they're older in their 90s maybe just fall and break a hip that is significant. If you're in your nine, any age any age after menopause, if you break your hip, your risk of dying is 30% the year after. You have significant morbidity, mortality from osteoporosis, from breaking hip. So estrogen is quite critical in maintaining that bone health. This is important. This is not just about what we're talking about, about heart flushes and about quality of life, which is important to us in the wellness world. But then even if you don't have symptoms, From a wellness perspective just your bone health your heart health your brain health everything and we'll get to that but but estrogen is quite important for that and then typically women after menopause will get that that less estrogen content which significantly um, impact their bone strength yes
1: absolutely so we we consider estrogen to be heart protective brain protective bone protective and cancer protective so it 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 mitigates a lot of the stresses that we place on our body. And so when, when those levels decrease, we need to do something to ensure that we have continued bone health, breast health, brain health, etc. Brain
0: health is a big one. That is when I really got into this menopause thing, is my mom believed in her hormone replacement therapy. So she had she was in a leadership position at work, which had lots of young women under her and men. But she felt to be on the same level, to have the same edge as the younger women she needed to be on a hormone replacement therapy. To to be as fast, to be as quick, to be as if she's young, you know, in a high profile job. And then I went through medical school and I read all the studies about hormone replacement therapy not being safe. And I, I do realize and we can if we have time to chat about that, how a lot of things was out of content context, how a lot of things, maybe just a Quickly, a very brief touch base on that. The Women Health Initiative in the 1970s, mainstream was if you do have menopause, let's put you on hormone replacement therapy. Then they wanted to study it. In the 1990s, they had a big study to see is it good or bad? And they wanted to specifically see, is it going to give you a heart attack? Is it going to give breast cancer? Is it going to stroke? Are you going to die? Yeah. But the chance of women in their 50s dying isn't that big. So the way they thought about this study and we don't do it typically now but the way they thought about it is don't test people in their 50s let's test people in their 80s and in their 90s lots of smokers like big population was smokers let's test them because the risk of them having something go wrong would be bigger mm-hmm. than than we know and, and they used um, equine which is horse estrogen which we don't use anymore we use biotenticals so it was a little bit but then when I saw that research of that study going out, you know, I didn't look at, oh, but this was people in their 80s and 90s. None of them had menopausal symptoms. Very interesting. interesting. None of them had menopausal symptoms. However, I just looked through the eyes like, oh my goodness, it's going to cause cancer. My mom should not be on this hormone replacement. She must stop now. But she had all these symptoms. And that's how we got into it. We read everything we could read on herbs, botanicals, in South Africa, you know, we have access to more traditional medicine than a lot of people here in Canada has. So we really went through all the lifestyle things and to really see, and that's what I've been doing through my whole career is helping people with lifestyle things, herbs, alternative management ways to how to manage menopause naturally. So there is, and you'll hear through this talk, I'm not pro or against hormones, but I do have all this knowledge and I'm known as a physician who will help people to manage menopause naturally. So there's this, Load of things that we can do naturally. Yeah, we'll get to it. I think a little bit later. First, we want to say why do we want to treat it? We spoke about the brain, or that's why my mom wanted to yes. have hormone replacement yep. therapy is to be sharp, to be <laughs> be young, to feel young. The other thing is um, there's there's a lot of other symptoms that you, we use it for. But let's let's go back to the diagnosis and all the symptoms. So when do you know you have menopause?
1: So, again, retrospectively, will, it's that one-year anniversary, so you'll know, oh, right, I haven't had my um, period for a year, that's when I'm in menopause. And I suggest to women that they start tracking their cycle, probably from their early 40s onwards. There's great apps on your phone, you just populate the, um, the information in there and it, it keeps sort of a score and it, it helps you sort of jog your memory on and, and what your cycle is doing. So that's one. Um, Symptom-wise, we, we, have, we have weight gain, we have mood fluctuations, we have... Um, what else do we have?
0: And that, that's why a lot of people come to me, specifically because of weight, because that's quite concerning. Yeah. If you eat exactly the same amount of things, you do the same amount of exercise, but now suddenly you're gaining weight, and usually the weight gain is in a different pattern. Whereas with younger women, it might be more in your hips and your bum, and older women we see more commonly over the abdomen, with the legs thin out, arms thin out, and the abdomen becomes more round. So, so the weight gain pattern would be different, your metabolism would be different.
1: Yeah, and, and again, that's where the, knowing what estrogen's function is, is is quite important to figure that out because it's weight gain, yes, but it's often also changes in body composition. So women will lose lean mass, and they will um, add fat, and it's that deep visceral fat around the abdomen that
0: Daniela was referring to, and, and that's the fat that's harmful for your heart because that same fat that you can see on the outside also packs around your heart, it backs on your liver, it impairs your liver functions. So that is it's important. It's not about vanity and the look and just embrace your body. It is, but really look at your health. What is this doing to the inside of your body from a
1: doctor's perspective? Exactly. And so, estrogen's function is to be anabolic; it promotes muscle growth. And what used to work in our 20s and 30s and, you know, three to four hour running sessions and gym sessions, who's got time for that now anyway, um, but this repeated cardio at sort of a low-ish intensity or even weights that you, you are lifting, you know, 25 reps and at a low weight doesn't stimulate your body to actually generate more muscle tissue we need to really start loading our system and demanding that via just exposure to really heavy weights because as estrogen depletes, it's gonna stop that muscle conversation to build muscle.
0: And that's a big thing. I wanna pause here a little bit for osteoporosis, to prevent mm-hmm. osteoporosis, bone density. And that is something I didn't understand early in my career as a physician, but you have to do weightlifting. Load that- that's what we call load. He's do that type mm. of exercises where you, where your muscle really pull a little bit, little bit from your bone to help strengthen your bone. That's how you build your bone density. And then also to, to boost your metabolism, you need more muscle in your body. Yes. So if you tell me that you're eating the same, but you're gaining weight, it is really because your metabolism is slower. To get your metabolism up, you need more muscle mass. To get that muscle mass up, you you have to do a type of exercise And it doesn't mean you have to become a bodybuilder, but you have to start doing resistance training with adequate protein in your diet, which is a big, big part of how we manage menopause, really looking at your diet, looking at your diet, having protein with every meal, irrespective of which type of diet you follow to have that protein. Another reason why I'm so adamant about muscle building, if I do get a patient in their 90s who comes to the hospital, was unfortunate, had a fracture, if that patient has strong muscles, the day after the hip operation, they get up and they leave the hospital. Yes. If yes. you don't have strong muscles, the next day you can't get out of bed. And if you, in your 90s, stay in bed for three days, yep. it is quite bad because then you become deconditioned. And the risk of you being for six weeks then in the hospital, which is very common, is very likely. So if you haven't been up for three days, so if you get up the next day, you're going home, no problem. If you've been in three days, that because you got so weak from being in bed three days, your muscles are gonna take so long to recover. With physio, and we have an incredible team at the hospital where I work at. You have your physiotherapist, occupational therapist, everyone, the whole multidisciplinary team will help you every day to get stronger, to get stronger. But you will likely be with us for six weeks yeah. in our rehab department before you'll go home. And it's things that you can do now. It doesn't help if you just start doing exercises in your 90s, you have to do it now. When you're perimenopausal, make sure that your muscles are strength, strong, for one day. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So that was all the symptoms we talked about. We have bone health, you have your cardiovascular health, a lot of symptoms people come to me about are vasomotor symptoms. So that would be hot flushes. What is a hot flush? A hot flush
1: is uh, a period of feeling very warm, sweating, very intense. And you're like red.
0: People can see it. You don't just feel
1: it's everyone flushing. around You can see that you're red sweating sweating and um it's it's due to vasomotor changes so estrogen is a thermoregulator it keeps our body temperature nice and level and even as things fluctuate so the thermoregulation becomes a bit wonky and your body interprets signals a bit differently or incorrectly suddenly thinks you are too hot and you will feel and it will try and get rid of that excess heat by opening up the blood vessels on, on the extremities and that's the heat I mean that's the sweating that's the heat that you feel um, and it's really intense the cold temperature etc so that's that's a hot flush and at night they're just called night
0: sweats and the night sweats can be significant like you can have 10 hot flushes during the day and the night sweats are so significant that people will be drenched in a the sweat they'll wake up wet and shivering because now this hot flush is over so you're you're all wet my patients will literally sleep on towels and i always advise people to layer so that you can take off but yeah. then when this is over then you're going to be cold again you know to cover up. so it's always good to sleep in organic materials to layer to have a fan at work at yes. home a fan makes a significant difference so that is quite significant that vasomotor symptoms the mood is, is quite something and, yeah. and we can talk about that and Typically, people go through a trickier phase in life. You have maybe teenagers or people going through MTS syndrome or you going maybe through life stages with your partner. So, so it, it, it can be quite troublesome if you now go through a, a harder phase in life and now you have your own mood that's up and down. But then if you can take control of your own health, you understand your mood, you track. some important, track your cycle, track your moods. So those apps are amazing. You track the moods. So, that when you see that, then you don't just feel life is horrible, then you can also track, oh, okay, you know what? This is my progesterone dropping now. It really empowers you to understand why you're absolutely. experiencing things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how do you
1: treat that? So, I would really suggest going to see your healthcare provider. That's very
0: really important. We'll have it as at the end.
1: It is okay. important. To
0: but see just, your
1: yes, absolutely. But in, in this, in so tracking, understanding, but then if you have had a history of depressive symptoms around other big life events, puberty, uh, that PMS period, postpartum, mm-hmm. then you're, you are at risk for more severe depressive symptoms, again, around menopause. And so if that is your track record, let's be proactive about it. Let's get on some antidepressants. Let's, let's deal with that. Um, support groups I find talking about it and just having a good moan as women without being fixed can be really helpful Um, and then your diet uh, we are starting to understand that alcohol while being a fabulous tool might not be the best thing.
0: That's a hard
1: one it makes your vasomotor symptoms worse as well Absolutely, so it's it's the go-to for a lot of women after a hard day's work but then often they get clapped with a Really bad hot hot flash or night sweats at night, um, and then so your antidepressants, diet, support groups, and exercise. Again, living lifting heavy, um, the high intensity stuff really great for mood. It does some. I think to your serotonin up in serotonin uptake mm. centers in the brain, and that can really lift mood. Um, So there are a lot of strategies that we can talk about, but antidepressants are definitely one of the strategies that we can rely on.
0: Something I look at as well, always, is people, women's diet when someone comes to me. So 90% of your happy hormone, your serotonin, is made in your gut. Mm -hmm. So it's so important through menopause to look at what you're eating, including prebiotic and probiotic foods, sauerkraut, kimchi really looking at your gut. We call it your microbiome, all those bacteria in your gut because your gut is full of bacteria, loads and loads of bacteria. And then we you can really make yourself happier through what you eat and through your exercise. That being said, I do work in a hospital where we do admit people in our mental health unit with such significant depression that I i, I really want to caution on both sides. So... and. You will be somewhere on a spectrum. If you need help, go and get help. See a counselor first, because it, it is critical to get help first. And then after you've seeked help, after you're working with a professional closely, yes, there are things that you can do. Let's do those things. Look at your diet, look at your lifestyle, look at your sleep, look at the alcohol factor. So many things. And, and that's usually the first thing that people tell me, no, don't take away right yes. my alcohol from me. Yes. Wow. So, but, but but you'll notice the difference, and it's not forever, it's really just to help your body cope when your body is having a harder time. You want to work with your body, you want to yeah. support your body. What can you do to support your body through this phase? Same thing that you're not going to give a teenager alcohol when they go through puberty, you don't want to, you want to support your body, do everything to support your body. Yeah. So we have two groups, we have hormone replacement therapy group, and then we have our non-hormone replacement therapy group. But Quite interesting and i didn't want to be known as the doctor doing either of them because some of my patients come to me and they're oh you're the doctor who helps women through menopause without woman replacement therapy they want to see me as the the natural wellness doctor which i do but it's because they've been talking to people whose symptoms were very well treated mm-hmm. without medication and then there are women who come to me and they're like oh you're the miracle worker with menopause and they want A, B, and C prescribed, which their friend had, but we look at everyone, every person needs something else. We, we really have to look at you, your body, your, your medical history. And that's when we start with intake, you as well, take this history when someone comes to you. We need this whole history where yep. we really find out what's your genetic risk, your own risk, your heart, how does your cholesterol look like, your blood pressure, do you have insulin resistance? We look at the whole picture then we look at all your symptoms we look at your goals because even with symptoms different people have different goals some people have hot flashes and their weight all over and everyone in the boardroom can see their weight because i'm going through menopause, it is what it is but to some women mm-hmm. do not want anyone to know so yep. it's also what are your goals with Absolutely. your management yes okay so will you Explain the options, the hormone
1: replacement. Mm -hmm. So hormone replacement therapy, we have estrogen therapy um, that you can get if you no longer have a uterus. It's a big thing. Remember the fertilizer kind of analogy.
0: Yes, because if we do give estrogen, when you go through menopause, we're making the estrogen thicker, thicker, thicker. And that is when you'll see that estrogen increases your risk of cancer. Uterine, or answer. If we do give estrogen, we'll give
1: progesterone, whether to protect exactly. your uterus. Exactly. Yeah. So combination therapy and the most uh, efficacy we have found is to actually start it as close to menopause as oh, possible. Critical. So we have about a five to 10 year window, arguably, so it's sort of 50 to 60 maybe. Beyond that, the risks start outweighing the benefits. So if you are wanting hormone therapy, let's start that conversation earlier rather than later to really boost the benefits of it mm. uh, while avoiding the risks. Mm. So that's, that's the one arm. And then non-pharmacological interventions, again, are that sort of holistic lifestyle um, approach. And then one thing we haven't chatted about is adaptogens, which are plants... It's a big thing can coming make it through. A lot of quality, improve mm-hmm. your quality
0: of life, yes.
1: And so, adaptogens are, are plants that are able to mit- mitigate the stress response in our body, and we have so they have an effect on our autonomic nervous system, and they they impact cortisol production and cortisol absorption. And cortisol is your big stress hormone. Okay, Um, and so adaptogens can either be calming or they can be stimulating, depending on whether or not you are just running on on empty and it's go, go, go. So you need something to calm. Mm. Or if you are very low mood, uh, a lot of depressive symptoms, then we want something that, to to that, that. gives you stimulating. Mm. So they have great names. One of them is Holy Basil and no, I just think we wouldn't want some holy basil in their diet. <laughs> and, beautiful. and the other ones all sound Indian to me and I cannot pronounce them like properly.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: there we go. It's you a very good that. one,
0: yes. And then, but that's pearl
1: Yes, Those, and These are the easier ones. That's yes, I've got a book. But anyway, adaptogens. And it so. also
0: depends on your symptoms. You'll talk to your care provider because for, for different symptoms, you know, mm-hmm. there's this, so many different symptoms. If it's specifically sleep, you'll lo- use valerian roots through menopause, your body secretes less melatonin, which naturally helps you to sleep. So you'll take a melatonin supplement. So it really depends on your supplements. And these are all great. It can make a significant difference of life. But you're not going to just go to the pharmacy and buy the whole workload. You're going to specifically use yes. ones that your yeah. body needs. And so for HRT,
1: just one um, last thought is that we have systemic HRT, So we we can take them in pill form orally. And that is really for the global symptoms of of menopause. So if there's maybe an osteopenia risk that we've identified, we would want systemic um, estrogen and progesterone. And then if there are more symptoms around vaginal discomfort. and Oh, that's a big one. Let's talk a bit more about that. So they have identified something called, it's a a syndrome Mm -hmm. by the name of genitourinary syndrome of menopause. Sexy. It's great. I don't like the word syndrome because it implies that if you do, if you you have to have all the symptoms to make that applicable, and again, women differ. So you have certain features that impact your pelvic health around menopause. You are more likely to have stress urinary incontinence, urgency, frequency. Urinary tract infections is a big one. It's not actually bacterial overgrowth in in the bladder. It is a pH change in your vagina, which makes you more susceptible to any bugs just acting and irritating the urethra, because again, estrogen lines the bladder and the urethra. So you have these symptoms around around menopause. And if you have those, then you'll want a local estrogen cream gel, um, not patch, um, an insert. insert, uh, It's a pessary or an E-string. Something that actually just secretes estrogen locally into that tissue. Some women take an IUD. So, yes. So, again, what are your symptoms? Are we talking systemic or are we talking local? And then we can make the correct...
0: Yes, because you won't use... If your only symptom was more often bladder infection, Mm -hmm. you don't need systemic treatment. You really just need... And that is one thing. So we said the benefit is just that first five to 10 years after menopause, and we only treat that. Yeah. However, in hospital, I treat people every day who well, are in their 90s with this vaginal estrogen. Yes. yes. Because what happens if you did not have your HRT in your 50s, 60s, that vaginal skin will be very thin by your 90s. And then you more commonly get a bladder infection. If you get a bladder infection... When you're frail otherwise, you're at a very high risk of that infection spreading through your whole body. We call that sepsis. So, that infection is not that bad when you're 20, 30 years old. You can take cranberry juice. If it got very bad, you can maybe take three days of antibiotics and you're good. But when you're older, that can spread to your whole body. And I admit people to ICU with that, with urinary sepsis. So it can make you very sick, and that's why I have this disclaimer. Whatever I tell you, don't just go and buy the herbs. Go and see your doctor first. Please. But when your doctor says you're good, then you can come back and get all the herbs that I sell you. so I've met people with urinary sepsis. If we do, I've met people with urinary sepsis. It it can be life threatening. It can make you very ill. Your mobility, mortality is very high for those people. We would even if you're in your 90s, give you your estrogen different ones other cream it's tricky to insert a cream at that phase. Um, we can give it it's like a little vaginal tablet that we insert initially every day as the vaginal skin gets a little bit thicker three times a week when it's nice and thick and plump, then we can do weekly to keep it thick to prevent infections yes. so that is that's still definitely something we do so that is that's the vagina next thing about you know what you have to quickly talk about, please, is specifically urinary incontinence. That is one of the big things. I did. I do triathlon. I went to world championships this year. It was a big deal. I did the Ironman of It was a big deal. One of the most amazing athletes that I. She's much better than me. She trained more than me. We we're just writing on the menopause book about her. She's. She gave permission that I can talk about her. She's really amazing. She came to me, and she's just a friend. We trained together. She came to me. And she said, I have have to help her. She can't run without peeing her pants. And that's her thing. She had none of the other menopausal symptoms. You know, she, she could breeze through everything else, but she can't run without peeing her pants. And I've before, I've had athletes who tell me that, I'll refer to pelvic physio first thing. And I would say, oh, just have a little bit of a pad in your running shorts to help leaking urine. But she with triathlon, you have a specific triathlon suit in where you first swim. So you can't swim with a pad. Your pad is just going to soak up for four years. So so she, first she's going to swim, then ride a bike, and then she's going to run. So there's no way you can have a little bit of a pad. So that was a big deal. And we managed to help her very successfully. She's eternally grateful. To any of our audience today, sp- just chat a bit about... Okay, so... Sp- So your pelvic
1: floor is is a muscle and connective tissue working in tandem to support your bladder, your vagina and uterus in the middle, and your rectum at the back, okay? So we need to consider both in the equation. We need to look at muscular function. What is the strength? What is the endurance? And again, remember, postmenopausally, our muscular tissue decreases in size, in strength, in, in capacity, okay? So we have muscular changes that might be happening. And then connective tissue, collagen, ladies, that we all know. Mm-hmm, the wrinkles, etc. what's happening on your face when you are laughing and smiling and shouting at your children is probably also happening in your vagina. So we just see connective tissue changes happening and less support va- through this connective tissue, then we need to consider what was the birth history like. Was there forceps use? Was there a episiotomy? How many children are we talking? Is there any prolapse? So, is the vaginal tissue um, not adequately supporting the bladder to the front, to the rectum to the back, or even the the uterus to the top? And so it's a it's a look. Let's look at all these factors yes kegels so let's strengthen those muscles let's make them more responsive let's bulk them up let's make their quick uh, firing capacity let's improve that but then also let's look at the connective tissue and hyaluronic acid is a great moisturizer it's a lot it's in a lot of high-end face creams so i say these lips those lips let's get them all moisturized and that can improve connective tissue function And if we need to go that extra mile, let's put some estrogen locally into that area too. So it's a combination approach, but for the most part, women, 90, 95% improvement. If the the urethra is unstable, we can use a pessary, which is a small intravaginal device that you insert into the vagina. It's like a tampon. And that literally stabilizes the urethra, um, and so with running and impact sports, we no longer get that urine leakage through through the vagina
0: through. Yes, the you urethra. explained. Yeah, you explained it very well. Yeah, thanks. So that's we covered now. Did we cover sleep? Let's chat about sleep a little bit. Mm-hmm. So sleep is a big thing because your body secretes less melatonin, melatonin. We get the hot flashes, which wakes you up. Night yes. which wakes you up. So you're now awake with a. Getting this adrenaline rush through your body, you know, that is quite significant. It impacts your mood if you're not sleeping well. Exactly, exactly. It, it Exacerbate brain fog
1: the next day. And then we have, just to, you know, throw in some fun into our mid 40s sleep apnea. Big thing that can start developing is just that sort of you missing a few... I want to talk about that. Okay, I'm going to hand that over to you because...
0: No, I... but, but you can first finish, but I just wanted to say this is something we often miss, sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you... Okay, talk okay. about that actually. Yes. Okay. So sleep apnea, then we can just have chronic
1: illnesses that are catching up with us through the decades. Um, diabetes, restless legs is a, is a big problem. And that to me is always an indication of a lack in magnesium. And so i'm a big proponent of magnesium yeah. just because it makes you have a poo the next day and i'm all about poo let's have the poo so make me McNe- arrest his legs uh sleep apnea and then
0: i'm gonna hand over about to the two. sleep apnea yes. we often miss that and i really looking back i think i might have missed it early in my career as a physician as well we see it in men all the time mm-hmm. we know that men have sleep apnea because their wives come in and tell us they have sleep apnea <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yes. Yes. So what would happen with sleep apnea, you go through periods during the night where you stop breathing. Mm -hmm. There's different reasons. And in men, we typically see it when they're overweight and there's a little bit of extra fat and lying, yeah, that it almost a little bit smothers you when you, um, at night, you're lying on your back and everything is relaxed. And then you go through the spirit where you don't breathe and then your oxygen levels drop because your oxygen levels drop. It sends a message to your brain Mm -hmm. to wake you up. And then as soon as you wake, all your um, your muscles are, are, are more tight again and then you're breathing easily again. And then when you fall asleep and you go into your deep sleep, you go through that phase again where you're not getting enough oxygen to the brain and it wakes you up. So you might not notice it because you're from a very deep sleep to a very superficial sleep to a very deep sleep. So you might not know it. Your partner might notice that they can hear you stop mm. breathing and then you're breathing again. And then we diagnose it with sleep testing. We have monitors on which monitors your um, oxygen. To women, this happens even if you're not overweight because of your hormonal changes. And they might not recognize it. You might just be tired the next day, ridiculously tired. Because you're tired, your body is now going to need more food. So you'll have cravings because you need sugar for energy because you didn't get proper rest last night. So you're going to eat more unhealthy carbs. You're going to eat more sugar. You're going to gain weight. You're going to have tiredness, brain fog, irritableness, and anxiety, depression. So quite often we see those hormones. And if we just do a sleep study, get proper sleep. Yes, yes. So sleep is a big thing. Yes. You need to be looking at everything, but we always look at sleep, no matter what illness we And
1: we're sleep. starting to now understand that sleep is is one of the key drivers in preventing diabetes Mm -hmm. um it's it's when your body regenerates and and heals itself so if we are not getting those REM moments of like deep restorative sleep we are just shortchanging our body Mm -hmm. and driving cortisol up and that's your like daniela said that's your stress hormone and then you can be eating honestly lettuce leaves and a bit of hummus that is going to pack on fat because your body is is in a state of depletion and it it perceives that as threatening and so it's going to hold on to your fat stores and then we are in a vicious cycle we eat less and less and less especially protein and so yes so sleep my colleague that's her big thing she starts everyone on sleep like track we have watches most of us that can track that and that's a great way to just understand what is your physiology doing at night yeah how much restoration are you actually getting of
0: yeah. any. That's yeah. big, yes, and we've had podcasts on sleep, maybe I should have her as well yeah. I just recently, we released a, a teenager podcast on sleep but we should maybe do many menopause mm-hmm. on sleep because it's such a big thing so, oh, Yeah, absolutely okay. So, and then exercise, chat about a bit, exercise you're a big exercise yes. guru, sports physiotherapist, you're going to run a marathon now in a bit? Yes, so
1: I'm the, um, I'm the cardio queen I love a good run I I <laughs> leave the kids at home and i just Sneed head out. out put on my shoes and i go <laughs> and i and I, I i love it um but it is no longer serving me i'm starting to understand that um one of the big things also that estrogen uh plays a role in is actually in inflammation regulation so as our estrogen decreases we are more likely to be in a state of inflammation. So a lot of women will come in, that was in my sports physio days, and just say, I'm starting to get arthritis. Mm. Shoulders, knees, hands. And so we would put them on the arthritis kind of um, track in in that direction, a lot of joint support, glucosamine, blah, blah, blah. And now that I'm understanding what is actually happening in the woman's body, I'm like, oh, it's inflammation. And so, exercise then is a great way to get rid of that inflammation. If it is in more sort of shorter bursts of high intensity, just running excessively just builds lactate, builds lactate, and then we're just augmenting that inflammation. So, the, the recommendations now for menopausal health to really get the benefits of exercise, let's do short intensity high intensity stuff so even like eight seconds they did a study they put 60 year olds into placebo into groups and they had one do 40 minutes of cardio twice a week and then they had another group do two sessions of high intensity stuff so it was literally on a stationary bike eight seconds on for as hard as they could pedal 12 seconds off and they did that for twenty minutes. And they compared these two groups and they found after eight weeks, both groups had increased fitness and yes, in fitness. But the high intensity group had increased their lean muscle and they'd significantly reduced their abdominal fat. And that's that's where the magic happens. And
0: it increases your metabolism for a couple of hours after.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the high intensity stuff and it fits it fits our lifestyle. Like If I need to do 30 minutes a day of high-intensity stuff, that is much easier to fit in my day than an hour, hour and a half of running, which is not – I'm just spinning my wheels essentially. So high-intensity stuff, yoga, we need to move, we need to stretch, we need to work on our balance as we get older. Yoga sort of hits a lot of that brief as well as being very restorative. It it often um, elicits a deep relaxation response, and we are – Generally speaking, we're on the go women, and so we are often more in that high sympathetic state a lot of go, 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 fight or flight. And so, if we can swing the pendulum back to being in the parasympathetic and achieve that deeper relaxation, our cortisol goes down, win, and that sets us up for better sleep often. So, high intensity yoga for mobility, balance, and for deeper relaxation, and then lifting, heavy lifting. And that's really, we need to be at three to four, maybe five reps of as heavy as we can go. Forget the 25, five kilogram stuff, that's not going to cut it. We need to lift heavy. Mm. And um, make it short, make it meaningful, make it matter, and then have real off days, have rest Mm. days, because... Our body is going to take a while longer now to bounce back. And if we give it the rest it deserves, the next day we can come back and, yeah,
0: be strong and and, and get our goals. Yes. 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 And then we spoke about stimulating your parasympathetic system. This is a big thing in menopause. Mm-hmm. So we want to stimulate our parasympathetic system to sleep better, to... Be more intentional at work, at home, practice mindfulness. And I have a whole blog and another video on on breathing exercises. That's the easiest way to trigger that. You have a vagus nerve. All Mm -hmm. the way from the back of your head, it goes past your diaphragm, and then all the way down, all your muscles. So if you're in fight or flight mode, to counter that, basically to do deep breathing exercises, then you stimulate your vagus nerve, then you stimulate your um, parasympathetic system, you lower your heart rate, and you lower your blood pressure. That's incredible. You can do it. You can just test yourself. You can look at your heart rate, yeah. do deep, re- deep breathing, and you can like physically lower your own heart rate. It's completely within your power. And then as you continue to practice this and get good at it, it can be a game changer during heart flashes. Yes. During, get, If you get those, some people get this really anger bursts, uh, which is a hormonal anger burst that makes you angry. If you recognize that and you're just breathing through it, there is a lot of research showing that it improves your vasomotor s- symptoms. And something you have the power over. You don't have to pay for it. It's something you can do. You can empower yourself. You can take control of your own body. Yep. Getting your vagus nerve, practicing breathing exercises when that heart flush comes on. If you practice breathing, you can decrease the intensity as well as the duration of that hot flash.
1: You've drugged my memory. Hot flashes. 2019, the North American Menopause Society released a finding that if the severity of your hot flashes and the duration of them can be an indicator of cardiovascular events later in life. Okay, so it's, we're talking about vasomotor, so it makes sense. Um, estrogen has an impact on how flexible our arteries are, so they tend to stiffen up as estrogen declines, which makes blood flow through our system a bit more difficult, which is why our blood pressure rises. So if we're having a lot of vasomotor symptoms during menopause, it's it's a communication that. Hang on, that whole blood system, the blood flow is not working optimally, and having an ECG, checking in with your DP, so just important. having a scan around heart health can be yes. life Life-saving, life saving.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. So yes, no, that's a very good study and important. You know that that really stress why you have to keep track of your menopause yes. Why getting help for menopause does not mean that you're weak. The fact that your sister and your mum could sail through menopause without having help, the fact that you are getting help may be you are preventing cardiovascular disease for you later in life. So that is important. Or
1: or that fracture, that hip fracture at 95.
0: Yes. So So you're going to exercise, sleep well, eat well, eating is critical. Then you're going to make sure that you join a support group. Surround yourself with other women who's going through menopause, who has gone through menopause, who you can share your journey with. If you really can't find anyone, go and look for an online support group. We have an online support group that we're running that has access to a nutritionist dietitian. If you just want to ask a question, you want to say, you know what, I ate spicy food and my hot flashes was horrendous after. And then people can say, yes, there's science behind it. Don't eat spicy foods. Or, or, or go through that. So to kind of help you with that support, talk to other women who go through things. See what other people do. Say, oh, I have this hot flat, uh, this little fan, like with a clip, you know, on my computer screen. Things like that. Other people can tell you that's going through the same. So find yourself a supportive group, a yes. community, a tribe. Find it. It's important. Yeah. Then there are some over-the-counter things you can buy. Yes, so over-the-counter
1: um, medication is going to be, I think, so from a physio point of view, the topical, the topical hyaluronic creams for skin, um, because that's another complaint in, in menopause and post-menopause is this aging skin, this drying skin. So over-the-counter, often we have chats about that, about a good quality moisturizer, Toner, I always skip toner when I went, I would get the, you know, the wash That's and then right I it. would just go moisturiser and toner actually rebalances your pH before you put the moisturiser on. And I was like, hmm, who knew? So toner, great as we get older to just add that in. Again, we want that pH to be um, as, as close to uh, normal as possible. Uh, the hyaluronic acids, the vaginal creams, um please stay away though from powders and soaps and And scented products and and, and pads you know i I hear you're leaking but maybe nyx underwear the the leak-proof underwear seems to be a better option because your pads have a lot of um what makes them white is bleach Mm. sorry to tell you and bleach on your vagina just doesn't sound good together in a sentence so let's let's keep away from that or go for the organic cotton products they're a bit more expensive but your vagina will thank you for all eternity and so, i've had people
0: with significant allergic reactions yes. like dermatitis of the vagina yes. because
1: of white pads i had them and because that. of tampons no. now you know that about me i was yes. like no menstrual cups for me silicone all the way yes. so like even in talking about this and knowing that this is a thing that women experience like I think we just need
0: to is yes, everyone doesn't it. have to experience a vaginal rush themselves no. before you can just hear from your friends and avoid those products exactly i have an app on my phone it's called a yuka app y-u-k-a and i'm so impressed with it i tell everyone about it you can scan your products when you go into the pharmacy you can scan and it shows is your product safe or not and your food it, but don't scan your pantry, it's quite stressful to see everything in your pantry, that's not healthy. No, no. no. But, but, but when you go grocery shopping before you buy now mm. school snacks for kids, I would scan it and it looks healthy because it's all organic and what, but then it shows you know it's full of sugar, don't buy it, don't buy it. And then it also shows you um, similar products that are, okay so you are looking for a granola bar, you are looking for something gran- um, organic, these ones have less sugar, less processed Things these are healthy, so it's a very good app. The Yuka app, Y-U-K-A, very good. It's a free app. Then something else when you are buying feminine products is lubrication. So you're likely at your sexual peak. You don't have your body issues that you had anymore when you were younger. You're at a more mature stage. You're hopefully in a very good relationship, so you can really enjoy sex in a in a way that you've that's really at your peak. your body's not naturally secreting that lubrication anymore that it used to secrete so you'll have to buy over-the-counter lubrication to help that's important if sex is painful see your doctor it can be a red flag sign so you'll you'll need longer foreplay you will need more lubrication but make sure it's painful that you see your doctor and have an exam done that's quite important
1: yeah so that's another thing that ties in with that is libido um Mm. Lower libido is that is that a sign of menopause? And I say it's it's common, but I don't want it to be a sign or symptom, Mm -hmm. because um, I think libido has so many components to it. We have the internal state of what's happening and our external circumstances, and that sort of that equation brings us closer to that libido um point. But like Daniela said, if pain is a problem, then absolutely seek help women do not need to think lie back and think of england and it feels like they're being cut open not cool no
0: (laughs) did you know that's where the word vagina comes from it's like the word vagina means it's the sheath of a sword that's weird don't you think that a body part gets
1: (laughs) no in german it is still the sheath of a sword seriously that's scheider's the german word and it's the same word for a sheath of a sword yes Right. I grew up German, so that's
0: mm-hmm. very interesting. And then there is an Indian word that some of my patients use, uni, uni, yes, which is a more, a more beautiful name for a vagina, but whatever you call it, and make sure yes, that it's healthy, and that if it's painful,
1: you need Come and see me. We'll sort it out. Thanks. Thank you so much for your time. And I, I know our
0: listeners gain so much from this. Are we going off tangent? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about sex Real, And I have such a thick pile of questions that I'm going to ask you. So I think we'll put that to our second, because this is kind of a two-part yes, series. Yes, I think we are. So we'll, we'll do that on the second part and answer. And thank you so so much for all the questions you've sent in. Yeah. And you know what, we did cover quite a, a big bulk of all the questions, but we might as well, I'll go through the questions because I really want to know if you've gone through the trouble and you've said in a question, it's something that's important to you, that we do answer that. So we'll come back in the second half and then we'll, we'll go through your questions one by one and answer it. And I, I really hope that we can help a lot, you know, that a lot of you that even if you're not the person sending in the question, maybe you had the same question, hopefully we could have answered that. If you want to reach up down below, I'll have your Insta and your website address so that people can reach out directly to you. Thank you. Good.